Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. We're continuing our Good Neighbor message series. If you didn't uh, catch that, uh, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome this morning. You know, as I was researching... um, uh, this message series, I was, uh, I got to be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's not, it's not in the rotation at my house as much, uh, but I was watching some of the um, original episodes, and I watched the last episode this week, and at the very beginning, this is good, this, uh, this is good, so at the very last episode, he does that intro like he always does, right, and uh, it was a little stormy outside, he said, <clears throat> and, and then he said, he said this, he said, uh, he said, it doesn't matter what it looks like outside. It can be a good day inside. I said, come on, that'll preach right there. Come on, that'll, that'll, come on, that'll preach. <clears throat> and that's us. That's part of the heart of our house is that we wouldn't be, uh, the storms of life would not dictate who we are and what we do. Amen? That we could overcome the storms of life and we can fulfill the call of God in our lives because we each... We each have a call, and um, <clears throat> I've seen in this, this day and age, there are, um, there's an increasing generation that wants to know why we're here. Like, what is the point? What, what, what are we here for? Are we just here <clears throat> to clock a job and die? Like, is, there, there has to be more, and we need to understand, <clears throat> excuse me, that we are, we're here, and we were created for a purpose. Now, <clears throat> I'm not really interested in um, I, the, how the earth got here and the time it took is completely irrelevant to me. All I know is <clears throat> in the year 2020, Carl Thomas lives here in Boca Raton and there's a purpose on my life. What happened a thousand years ago or 5,000 and 6,000 or 3 billion is not nearly as important as what's happening in 2020. You can't do anything about what happened in the past. And as you get older, you recognize you have very little control over what happens in the future. You have absolute control over what happens today. And you are here created with a purpose. Can you say amen? God was not surprised when your parents got pregnant. He didn't have to figure out a plan. He's not like, I don't know where I'm going to put this one. I don't know if I have enough room. Totally not caught off guard. Totally still in control. And so in our uh, message series, uh, The Good Neighbor, we're going to talk a little bit about why we're here. What is the purpose of us being here? Uh, and, and living with purpose is a better life. Can you say amen? amen. <clears throat> we're going um, to look at Luke chapter 10 today. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10, either in your, your favorite app or in your physical Bible. Uh, I like to read both. I probably read my app more than anything today. Uh, what won't work well is an audio Bible. That doesn't work as well in a church service. <clears throat> <clears throat> We're trying to, at Revival Life Church, we're trying to get a fresh perspective on the, on the scriptures, trying to get a fresh perspective on the teachings of Jesus. And if you want to get a fresh perspective on something that you've seen a lot, there's two options. You can either look at it more closely. So in the case of scripture, maybe you would study the individual words in a passage. If you've read it so many times, you can kind of, it just becomes rote. It just becomes kind of religious. So you can maybe study the words or like we're going to do today, you can take a step back. And try to see the bigger story. Sometimes we miss the point 
in the midst of the story. And so if we look at Luke chapter 10, uh, basically in Jesus' life at this time, what he's doing is he's on the road to Jerusalem. That's the goal. You remember in Jerusalem is where he winds up uh, getting falsely tried uh, and he was uh, wound up being murdered uh, for our sins. And, and that's, <clears throat> excuse me, where he rises from the dead. And so him and his disciples are making their way to Jerusalem for that fateful event. And on his way there, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, he sent out 72 of his disciples. Uh, 72, of course, is an important number. 72 was a number of the Sanhedrin. If you remember, he was tried by the Sanhedrin and the Roman government and everywhere they would take over, they would set up a governing authority and they called it the Sanhedrin. And they had 72 people in those governing authorities. And in the region of Israel, the head Sanhedrin, it was called the Sanhedrin of Sanhedrins, met in Jerusalem. And there were 72 of them in the high priest oversaw it, and Jesus, of course, was saying, you got your Sanhedrin, your ruling class, I have mine. And those were his disciples that he had sent out, the 72 of them. Of course, he was the high priest over the 72. And, and the Bible tells us that in, early in Luke chapter 10, it tells us that he sent out the 72 wherever he was going to go. So he was kind of doing a circuitous path to Jerusalem, and he sent his disciples to go wherever he was going to to go. And he sent them out and he said, hey, I'm giving you authority. So, you know, when you go out there, I know you've never done this before and you never heard of this before, maybe never saw it before. And you were just fishermen and tax collectors. But what I'd like you to do is when you go out and you tell people that I am coming, just go ahead and heal their sick, uh, cast out the devil, the devils, uh, go ahead and uh, just preach the gospel that the kingdom is now here. And what you're going to do as a disciple <clears throat> Catch this. As a disciple, what you're going to do is, uh, since you're going where I want to go, you're going to do the things that I want to do. And wherever you go, you're preparing a place for me to go by doing kingdom stuff. So when you do kingdom stuff, you're preparing a place for me to go. Right? That's a good word. And so, so he sent out the 72, and um, he said to them, hey, listen, you're going to do all this stuff. Some people are going to listen to you, and some people aren't. How many can say amen to that? Uh, some people are going to listen to you, and, and some people aren't. And then he gave us this crazy promise, like this crazy promise. Now, he's God, right? We're going to have to agree on that. Like, I don't have time to convince you at this moment, but Jesus is God, right? And God alone has authority that no person had at that point. And he said this incredible thing to them, uh, he said, listen, as you're giving away the kingdom riches that I have given you, that's, you know, healing and the message of the, the gospel and, and freedom. He's like, listen, whoever listens to you, he says this in verse 16, Luke 10, 16, whoever listens to you will listen to me. Wait, what? Just by me doing kingdom stuff, people will listen to me? And when I tell them kingdom stuff, they'll listen to you? That's what Jesus said. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Literally saying you have the ability to connect people to God. That's a promise that nobody had received up to that point. And so they went out, the 72, and this promise they had never heard. They had no scripture for it. They had no promise for it. They didn't know it was coming. They just went and obeyed the one that they were following, and they start doing miracles, and they start healing the sick, and they see Demons come out of people, and they're preaching the good news, and they go back, and they tell Jesus, oh my gosh, this, this all worked. Like, we've never seen this stuff before, and Jesus like, it's true. Yeah, uh, guess what? I, I can only tell the truth, right? Like, I, I can't lie, and when I told you what happened, 
it's going to happen, right? That like he, he's like, I knew it was going to happen because I said it, right? Like Jesus, like I, I heard me say it, and so I knew it was going to happen. And so they come back, and they're so excited. <clears throat> it's so excited about it. And, and they said, listen, Jesus like, I need you to understand, we, we had great kings. We had, there was David and Josiah and just amazing men of valor and honor. And there was amazing priests in our history of Israel and Elijah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Micah and Malachi and these incredible people. And he, and he tells them, as recorded in verse 24, in our history we had these great priests and these great kings and they all wanted to see what you just saw and none of them got to see it. What is that? The kingdom within us. Us, our ability to release the kingdom, to see God moving among regular people. This, is, this had never happened before. He's like, they all wanted to see this, and none of them got to see it but you. You get to see it. Listen, we get to operate in the spirit of God. David himself didn't get to see what you and I, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, get to see. Listen, some people are dying to go back to the old ways. They call it the old path. They call it old-time religion. You can keep old-time religion as far as I'm concerned. I want the day of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's no greater day to be alive than today. How do we know that? Because we're in it. How could there be a better time to be alive than the time that we're living? Alive in. Amen. But the prophets of old wished they could see what we could have. Now, I don't want to go back to old religion. I've been in religion. Religion does not satisfy. This works-based thing makes you feel good about yourself for a second, but it does not sustain. It's not a pillow of grace to lay your head on at night. It's not a sure foundation that you can build your life upon. It is not a place of refuge that you can go in and hide. Only the grace, only the Spirit of God can do that. Amen. I don't want to go back to that. I, 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 I want to be living the gospel today. Such an amazing honor that we have that we get to do that. Such an amazing honor that we get to live the gospel. But something funny happens when you, when you live the gospel. When you're actually not just a person who knows, but you actually live the gospel, some stuff starts to happen around you. Here's what happened. Folks start to get threatened by your lifestyle. Some people, they, 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 they feel convicted that you're actually doing the gospel stuff and not just saying the gospel stuff. That you're actually living a life following God. They start to feel a little threatened, almost as if you're accusing them of not doing enough, when really it's the Holy Spirit just convicting their heart. You know when you start living righteous and your people at work uh, start, to, oh, oh, so you think, like, I didn't say that. Did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> who said that could it be something in here said that right like is that what I can help <laughs> I didn't cause this problem but I can help fix it listen your doing will provoke those who are talking it happens it's, it's just how it, how it works see when you start living the gospel, some people around you will actually start to say, wow, wait a minute, you saw the sick healed? Wait a minute, you're actually feeding the poor? Wait a minute, you're actually living a life of freedom? Man, show me how to do that. Show me how to not be religious, not to be confused, not to be stuck, but actually live in a dynamic relationship with Jesus. Whoa, whoa, I want some of that, right? But other people, other people, they'll, they'll just argue that they're fine. Listen, I grew up calling myself Episcopalian. And when people try to live the gospel around me, I would tell them, no, 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 no. 
You don't understand, I'm already right with God. I have this label. Don't you know I went to this school or I went to that for three years or my family called ourselves this or my grandfather was whatever, this self-righteous thing that we say, I'm fine. But the very fact we're making that argument shows there's already something God is doing in my heart. The fact that we have to try to justify ourselves shows that everything is not as it should be. And so if we're going to look at the scriptures, not through religion, but with what Jesus is speaking today, we've got to look at it through fresh eyes. And so Jesus, of course, lived the gospel. Amen. He lived the gospel, and now his disciples started living the gospel. And this is when things started getting a little dicey for Jesus. This is when stuff started, the conflict started, because people who were convinced they were doing everything perfectly started getting a little convicted. Now there's some self-righteousness being challenged. And so Jesus, when the disciples come back, uh, somebody got a little convicted. And there was this guy, they called him a lawyer. And the lawyers, they didn't practice civil law. They actually studied the religious law. And their goal in studying the religious law was not to spread the kingdom of God or to tell other people about this loving God. The point of studying the law was to show that how I'm right with God. And so this guy who studied the law started getting a little convicted, I believe. And he stood up. We see this we see this in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, if you have your scriptures open. And as it's recorded by Luke, he says, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test. Now, if you would like a life of frustration, <laughs> test God. Just test God. That's all you, that's all you got to do. I'm going to put God to the test. I'm going to see if God will match my standard. If you want a life of frustration, that is step one. So he... He says, uh, teacher, he put God to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to the guy who studies the law, he says, well, what's written in the law? He asks them, not only what's written in the law, he says, how do you interpret it? How do you interpret it, right? right? And so the guy answers him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, watch this, you have answered correctly, do this. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what's your law say? The law says you got to love everybody. Well, Jesus said, do this, and you will live. He didn't say, think it. He didn't say believe it. He didn't say teach it. He didn't say write it in a book. He didn't say pray it. Do this. And you shall live. Now, but the guy, the self-righteous don't go down easily. Verse 29. But wishing to justify himself. Listen, friend, when we recognize that's where we're at in life, you're in a good place. When you don't recognize that's where you are, not in a good place. When we talk about where we went to school or what youth group we were in or what our parents did or when we're trying to justify our relationship with God, we're in a bad place because Holy Spirit can't even convict us. But when we're actually saying, I can get closer, I could do more, I could love, I could, that's when we're saying, God, search my heart. Now we're giving Holy Spirit something to work with. But this guy wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, trying to test him, well, who is my neighbor? And this is important because the teaching in this time, the, the, the Jews were in the midst of another people group, but they were their own people. 
Their neighbor was not the person who might be living down the street or across the block or somebody at the market. Your neighbor was only the people who were just like you. And you only needed to worry about the people who were just like you. So looking for him to be justified, he says to Jesus, well, who is this neighbor that we're talking about? Let's all agree who my neighbor is so we can all decide that I'm righteous, right? When we go to God with an agenda, it's not going to end well, right? We don't want to go to God with an agenda. We want to go to God with questions and an open hand and let him take what he wants and give back what he wants and allow him to speak to us. Amen. So Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place, saw him, passed on the other side. Now, you may have heard this story a hundred times. Let's look at it with fresh eyes. Amen? Let's look at it with fresh eyes. Amen? Amen. Verse 32, likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place, it saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt, what's the word say? He felt compassion. And he came to him, and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And so the guy, he comes upon the guy, the guy's beat up, and he starts putting salve on him. He stops, has compassion, he's trying to help him heal. And uh, he took him to his hotel. He put him on his, his animal. He took him to the hotel he was staying in. He takes him into his room. He goes to the guy running the hotel, and he says, listen, we see in verse 35, the New Carl translation. He says, he says hey, take care of this guy for me. Uh, I'll pay for anything that you need, and I have to leave. I can't stick around to take care of him. Uh, but whatever costs you incur to take care of him, just bill me. I'm good for it. When I come back, I'll pay you for it. And so Jesus says to the man, verse 36, which of these three do you think prove to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? 37, he said, the one who showed mercy to him. Jesus said, watch this, go and do the same. Go and do the same. <clears throat> I'm going to talk very briefly today. I just... I have such a simple, simple point I want to make, uh, but religion blocks us from it. The man wanted to justify himself. What must I do? Jesus said, love your neighbor. And the man said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, let me tell you a story. And he tells the people, and he said, instead of saying, who's your neighbor, I want you to ask, who is that hurt man's neighbor? Who's the hurt man's neighbor? Now, okay, this is going to be super cheesy, right? But humor me for a minute. You put up this graphic for me. I know you've seen this before, and I know it's super corny, but I'm going to put it up anywhere because I don't think that's how any of them looked, right? But that's irrelevant, right? So here is a story in a picture. Are, are, are you following me? Yeah. 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 Amen. So here's a story. We got the... We got, we got, these people traveling. Now, where were they going? It's important. If we're going to look at this scripture through fresh eyes, we've got to ask questions maybe we didn't ask before, right? To get new answers. So where are they going? They're on the road to Jericho, right? They're on the road to Jericho. Why is that important? Jericho was a vacation spot of the wealthy. Rich people lived in Jericho. So now we have people walking toward wealth, 
right? They're walking toward the wealthy area. And if you remember the scripture, remember Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wealthy tax collector in Jericho, right? You don't have wealthy tax collectors in broke areas. You got moderately better than broke tax collectors, right? In rich areas, you have wealthy tax collectors, right? So we know that Zacchaeus was a wealthy tax collector. And Jesus was in Jericho when he told the story of the nobleman inheriting a kingdom, right? Broke people don't inherit kingdoms. So if you're going to talk to a broke person, you're not going to tell them a story about inheriting a kingdom. You're going to talk to them about simple things, right? But Jesus spoke to people where they were at. So he talked to wealthy people about wealthy stuff. He talked to broke people about broke stuff. He talked to Jews about Jewish stuff. He talked to the Gentiles about Gentile stuff. He talked to the people who needed a healing about healing. He talked to people who needed deliverance about deliverance. Jesus is like, whatever you want to talk about, I got some Jesus to share with you about it. Amen. People like, oh, you're like those Christians who make everything about Jesus. Yes, that's exactly what I do. Because there's plenty of you. When I run out of things to say about Jesus, I'll change the subject. But whatever your problem is, I got an answer. It starts with Jesus, right? Like, like I just, it's, it's very, very simple. And so on the road, if you remember, uh, blind Bartimaeus was on the road to Jericho when, when he got healed. And so what we find is there's this wealthy town, there's this road to this wealthy area. And so uh, the poor would sit on the side of the road and beg, or the lame, they would beg on the side of the road to Jericho because wealthy people are going to wealthy areas, Right? And so since there are wealthy people walking, not only are there beggars, there's also robbers, right? Because where you have wealth, you have people trying to steal the wealth. This is all making sense, right? Are you, are you tracking with me? Yes. So you've got this road to Jericho. Wealthy people are walking down it. Bandits are walking down it. A man who was going down there, and we can guess, the scripture does not say this, but we can guess that he was wealthy. Why do we know that he was wealthy? They stole his clothes. You don't steal homeless people's clothes. As a matter of fact, I don't want to wear any used clothes. So there must be some super nice clothes that I would want to beat somebody and steal his clothes from him. Yeah. Right? So he, they beat him. They steal his clothes. He caught the beat down, and he's on the side of the road. Right? And so the super holy guy, the super, super Bible-thumping guy who says the whole world is going to hell, and we can't be near the world, and we can't touch the world, is avoiding the guy on the side of the road who actually needs some help. This is what religion does right here. Religion tells you it's us four and no more. Those people are cursed because they deserve to be cursed. It's actually God who cursed them. Therefore, let them rot. We're going to go be with God, right? There's this, the Levite there in the white, and the Levites were like the, the priest's assistant in the temple. Now, the Bible says that the Levite went, and he at least went and took a look. He's at least considering it, but he still followed the religious people. He didn't help them out, right? And then we see the Samaritan here ministering to the guy who caught a beat down. Now, the, the Samaritans were the avowed enemies of the Jews. They were traitors to them. They were half-breeds. They didn't, they didn't want anything to do with them, right? They were cast off. And Jesus is telling this story about these four people. The question I would want to ask you is, who are you in this story? Who are you? If you were to look at this story, who are you? Maybe they're the religious person. You've been so focused on God, you forgot that God came for people, right? Or maybe you've been so focused on ministry, you're following the mond of God instead of looking for who God would have you minister to. But we all kind of want to be the good Samaritan, right? This is deep in our heart of hearts. That's who we want to be. 
And if we want to not cast stones, if we just want to be honest, instead of trying to justify ourselves, if we were really honest, we could say all of us, no matter what political persuasion or what religious persuasion, we can all fall in the trap of thinking some people deserve what they got and other people deserve blessing. Some people deserve to be helped. And some people don't deserve. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, we can all fall into this, this thinking, this self-righteous thinking. And we can meet other people who agree with our little hidden prejudices, our little hidden judgments, and we'll find some group or party or ethnic group that we can align with and hate them, whoever them is in your life. And in our fallen state, that's, that's, that's where we can find ourselves in. No matter where you are in the political persuasion, we have to recognize God is doing something in this day and age, in this young generation. Be their economics off, be their uh, ways. I mean, what Bernie Sanders has tapped into, if you hate his policies, there is a young generation that's looking to accomplish something. Now, they don't want to do it enough to actually go out and vote, apparently, but they do, they do want to tweet about it and post it on Instagram. And one day they're going to figure out, wait a minute, I have to actually go to the poll to change something, and we can vilify them or we can pour into them. That's the choice we as the church have. We can assign them to uh, non-significant status or we can say, wait a minute, God is doing something in this age group and I want to be a part of it. I want to be an influence. Jesus is not after what the religious would tell us. He's actually after hearts. Now, again, if I've already bored you with a story you've heard a hundred times, let me talk for about 30 seconds and then you can tune out, right? But I want you to get this point, right? This is super. So you see these, these four people, right? And you want to think about who you are. And if you don't listen to anything else today, next slide, please. Listen, don't be these guys, right? If you get nothing else today, don't be these guys. Next slide. You want to be this guy, right? That, like this is, this is the point of the story. I, I'm, I'm amazed how many people have entire commentaries on why the guy in purple got it right. Back one more, please. Let me, let me just make it really clear. Don't be these guys. Forward. You want to be this guy. Feel free to just surf Instagram for the rest of the message if that's what you want, as long as you get that. But here's the real question. Why does this matter? Why does it really matter? Let me, let me ask you a question. Jesus taught uh, for about three and a half years uh, in his earthly ministry. Taught for about three and a half years, uh, and then he was murdered, went to heaven, right? Uh, and he taught us to do lots of... Do me a favor for a second. Think of your favorite teaching of Jesus. Your favorite parable, maybe. The favorite moral thing that he taught. Maybe the imperative that he gave people. Like, think, I want you to... Come on, do me a favor. Don't, don't just hear me. Actually, think of something. What is your favorite thing that Jesus said? Well, they gave a poll. Uh, the Barna Group did a poll of... Um, Americans under 25 that had no religious affiliation, not affiliated with any religion at all, not Christian, they just, not ardent atheists, you know, to where that can even be a religion, just no religious affiliation. They asked them their opinions of different faith groups, and they, they said, what are Christians known for, right? Like, they asked them, what are Christians, now, what, 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 would you, what do you think, what do you think we should be known for? What, what, name something that you think we're supposed to be known for. Yell out, just give, give forgiveness, forgiveness, compassion, love, generosity, Loving your pastor? I heard somebody say, I don't know, man, I thought maybe that was me. Here's the top two answers. Are you ready? They're homophobic and too political. They're homophobic 
and too political. Now, of all the things I've studied about Jesus, that just was not the big teachings. And you may say, well, that's not me, pastor. I don't think that way. But these are the loudest voices in the marketplace right now. This is the loudest voice out there. So Jesus saying, we can't just think his gospel. We have to go and do the gospel. We need our message to be the loudest message in the marketplace of ideas today. This is why it's important. We are losing the next generation because the church is not carrying out the clear teachings of Jesus. Let me say this again. We are losing the next generation because the church is not carrying out the clear teachings of Jesus. That's why it's important. That's why it's important. We got to get this we got to get this right. We got to get it right. <clears throat> there are traps that keep us all from following Jesus. Give me one second, Mike. I'm running just a second. Just give me one second here. Just, you sound good. Turn off the pass for a second. Just a second. Just give me three minutes. Is that right? Three minutes. Okay? Are we good? Three minutes. He has a clock. It'll be good. We fall into these traps that say, I can help people as soon as I get this ministry started, as soon as I learn that thing, as long as I get a little more Bible, as soon as I work out this sin, I can, it's just, just one more, I just, I'm not quite mature enough yet, I just started on my journey. Listen, you don't need a big journey, you don't need a big ministry. That is a trap of the enemy. Here's the real question. People keep saying, you know, ah, I'm not sure. Here's the real question. How are you helping the people God has put in front of you? How are you helping the people God has put in front of you? In front of you. I get a lot of people say, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't, I don't know what God's purpose is for I, I don't know what I'm called to do. And, and it's the wrong question. The question is not, what am I called to do? The question we need to be asking is, who am I called to reach? Who am I called to reach? And let me help you answer that question. Let me help you. Look around this room. There's your first group you're going to reach right there. Go to work tomorrow. Look around. That's who you're called to reach. Go in your classroom on Monday, look around. That is who you are called to reach. When you get home from church today, look around your neighborhood. There it is. There's your ministry. There's the call. That, that's it. You're to be a neighbor to those people right there. That's the call of God in your life. I hear people say all the time, man, oh, you're church pastors. Well, I'm coming visiting, and the people here are so friendly. You know why they're so friendly? Because we, we quit performing for one another. We quit putting on a show for one another. We just decided we're going to reach each other with love. Amen. We're just going to love folks, and however they look at us, they look at us. So that, 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 that's who we've decided to be. When you stop performing, you get to be real. And I would be the real, I'd rather be the real flawed Carl than the fake perfect Carl. Amen. That's what we've decided. I'd rather be the real me. And people are like, how can you be like that? Because Jesus loves me. Period. I, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I, I talk about counseling a lot here um, because people need counseling. Y'all yeah. yeah. are broken, right? We're broken. We need to talk to somebody once in a while. And uh, uh, pastors in my life and, 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 my, and, and my wife, more importantly, be like, you need a therapist, right? Like, just, I think you need someone to talk. Many, many healthy Christians talk to somebody. And so I was just calling around trying to find a, a good fit, and this guy was telling me, he's like, hey, yeah, just to let you know, you can wait in the car. I know some, some senior pastors, this is hard for them. You can wait in the car, and when the, when the, when the lobby's clear, we'll text you, and you're coming through the side door. I'm like, I got nothing to be ashamed of. I'm good. I'll sit in the lobby. Like, I want to be healthy. I don't know why. Why would you hide from wanting to be healthy? Amen. I don't want to be fake, Carl. 
I don't want to be fake, perfect Carl. I want to be real Carl, living a real life with real issues, with a real God who meets my real needs. Amen. You could be real here. But being real means you got something to add. And what is inside of you is important. God made you for a reason. He made you for a reason. There is a purpose on the inside of you. There's a reason to get out of bed every day. There's a reason to wake up and say, there's a purpose on my life. And it's just to love people. Jesus said, man can't live for bread alone. If you've been living for a paycheck or you've been living to finish school, man, it's time to come to a higher level. There is something, I mean, it's important to go and get your education. It's important to feed your family and pay your bills. But that, that can't be the purpose of life. You were created with a purpose. And it wasn't just to make a paycheck and give somebody else money. That, 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 that was not it. God has called you to live a life that makes a difference. And when we serve one another here in the house of God, we facilitate miracles. We facilitate miracles. Listen, there is eternity in what you do for Jesus. You, you get to tap into the eternal. Listen, the only thing you're going to take with you on the other side are the relationships you make here. That's it. Everything else is going to go back to dust. Let me ask you a question. Imagine being able to completely affect where America goes in the future. What happens in this world? Imagine, imagine being able to guide the next generation with the Word of God. Imagine having an influence in some future generations where you get to, maybe you're speaking the Word of God to them. Maybe you're teaching them the ways of God. Maybe, maybe you're teaching them who, what the presence of God is like, and you're getting the word in them, and you're speaking over that, and you're praying over that, and you're ministering it, and you want it to get sticky on their soul. So when they get older and they're not sure where to go, the word of God begins to rise up on the inside of them. That's something I could get behind. We call that children's ministry. We call that revival kids. We, we're not doing daycare. There might be some activities and there might be some rowdiness, but guess what? The Word of God is happening and the, the presence of God is being infused into their spirit, man. This is something that you could say, like, I am getting out of bed today to go to work, but my God, He's using me to affect this next generation every Sunday morning. I'm facilitating miracles. Maybe you stand out front and you greet people. And maybe your, your, your team leader's like, hey, we need you here on time. Why? Because we got to pray. Because there's somebody coming today who's away from God and doesn't know him. And maybe they knew religion and they feel beat down. But someone's been inviting them every week, week after week after week. And this is the week they finally came. And your smile is going to make them drop their guard just a little bit. And they're going to open up and worship just a little bit. And then the Holy Ghost is going to come a lot bit and completely change their lives. We're facilitating miracles here. This is what we do at Revival Life Church. I've made a, an agreement with the church here. <clears throat> we're making a covenant, you and I. We're going to go into partnership to get our friends and family and coworkers saved. Here's what we're going to do. You invite them, I'll give them an opportunity to get saved. This is what we're doing every week. You bring them, I'll give them an opportunity to get saved. Corey's going to get up here and just worship heaven into the room. You're going to let people open themselves to God, and we're going to give them an opportunity to reconnect with Jesus. Listen, you were created by God to solve a God problem. This is your purpose. 
There is a God problem that he wants solved and you are the answer. That's what you're here for. To be followers of Jesus. To operate in empathy and kindness. Let the one who's sitting on the throne do the judging. Let him do the judging. We get to do the loving. Like he gave us the best job possible. It's like when you take care of little ones. Like I'm in, I'm in such a, a neat age that the little ones come over to our house and my wife and I play with them and they act the fool and I'm like, I don't got to discipline them at all. I just love on them and send them home. I give them lots of sugar and send them home. I give them annoying toys and send them home. Right? Let the father do the correction. We just love on people. You're not going to rebuke anybody into a loving relationship with Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Let the Holy Ghost do the convicting. Amen. This is our job to solve a God problem. And the judgment is not a problem he wants us to solve. It's a need for love. But we fall into this trap. We meet Jesus and he starts to change our lives and then we think the whole relationship with Jesus is about us changing our life. That's not it. That's his job to change us. It's our job to cooperate and share his love. That's our role. And it's super simple, but we fall in this trap. Look, 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 how, look, look, what I'm, look how righteous I am. Look how amazing I am. Look at my Bible. It's bigger than anybody else's. Got all the highlights in it, and I got the little tabs. Look at me. Matthew, chapter 9, Jesus says this. They were kind of beating up on Jesus for hanging out with the people he's called us to reach. And he says, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Watch this. Go and learn what this means. I desire compassion. What does God want from me? Compassion. We just get so caught up in what we have, watch this, done for him. Look, God, I, I stopped doing that filthy thing that was polluting my soul. Look, I stopped being unforgiving in living in bitterness for you. Look, look, I started actually tying my finances to your finances so that I can be blessed. Look at all I've done for you. What are you going to... And she's like, yeah, no, no, actually that was for you. Yeah. Following me works out for you way more than it does for me. What I want you to do is just love on some people. Yeah. Just tell some people, hey, I know you probably heard that he's angry, but he's actually not angry. He's actually in a good mood. God is actually, he actually loves you and he actually wants you to come in relationship. That's a... But what about the, you know, I don't know about all that. All I know is that God loves you and he wants to come in a relationship with you. But what about that church in Utah? That, I don't know. I don't, I don't live in Utah. I live in Florida. And uh, I do. Well, what about that guy on TV? I'm not on TV. Actually, I'm right here right now telling you that God loves you. That's, that's, that's my job. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's, that's, that's what he called me to do. Let's go back to our story and we'll finish here. Jesus says, which of these robbers, which of these, excuse me, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hand? And he said, the one who showed mercy to him, Jesus said, watch this, go and do the same. That's what he's telling us, go and do the same. So if you put this picture up one more time, and if I had asked you, who are you in this story? Now, some of us have seen us as the religious person, like we thought we were doing great. We thought we were a follower, but we found out I'm just religious wow, I really thought I was on fire because people told me this is what a Christian is and all I really was was religious. Some of us were, you know, kind of in between. Like we, we, wanted, we were half religious, but we half knew that this stuff was important. But the religious people were telling us it's not important, but yet and still 
I really should be nice to people, right? Like it's no matter what sin they're in or what other category they're in. Like, hmm, they're a human. I should probably be nice, right? Like that's... And some of us, I think most of us would, would, would want to say that we're that good Samaritan. I think that's what most of us would say. I, I would hope. I would hope that we would say, yeah, that's, that's, I hope that's me in the story. But let me be really, really honest with you. We're that guy beat down by the side of the road. That's who we are. Sin has robbed us. And Jesus is that good Samaritan who could have been justified in walking past us, but he stopped. He stopped and touched people who were unlovable. He stopped and touched people who were the other, who were, should have been separated from him because of sin. But he said, no, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to show them love. And I'm going to take them home. And I'm going to pay for them to get better with my own life. And I'm even going to say if there's anything else they need, charge it to my account. And when you feel, fail to realize that we're no better than that man robbed on the side of the road, that's when we get our head right and say there's nobody that's outside of the reach of God. There's nobody who is the other. There's nobody who's away. There's, it's only us reaching them who Jesus wants to stop for. That's the story here. That's the real story. Stand with me if you would. Father, we just love you. We just love you this morning, Jesus. You're so good to us. Oh, that was me. Broken. Beaten. Just traveling to what I thought was important. And along the way, just completely beat down. Thought I was good, but you stopped and showed me what real love is. You called me by my name and you said, well, actually you called me son. And you said there's a purpose for my life. And you said that there's a promise on my life. And you said that I had a value that was redeemable when I saw none. You're so good today, Jesus. You're so good today. And we say today, I am that woman. I am that man on the side of the road. I need the Savior, the good one, to stop for me. And I need to remember this is, this is where I came from. I need to never graduate from this revelation. So every head bowed, every I close very, very quickly. I want to give you an opportunity between me and you today. Nobody looking around, please. If you're saying today, yeah, 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 that actually is me, Pastor. And I need Jesus to stop for me. I want you to pray for me that I can come into relationship with Jesus Christ today. I may have prayed it in the past. Maybe you walked away. Maybe you've never prayed it. Maybe you, maybe you were the religious person on the road. Maybe you were halfway in between. Maybe you thought you were good, but you recognize now we all need Jesus. I want to pray together today. We're all going to pray it together, but I want to know specifically who I'm praying for. Put your hand up and down real quick if that's you today and you say, yeah, I see you. Put it down. Who else? Anybody else? You're like, just pray with me today, Pastor. I want to pray and I want to be that guy. I want to be that woman with Jesus. I see you. Yeah, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? Real quick before I go on. Amen. Look at me if you will. We're all just going to pray this together. We're just going to pray that Jesus would come and just take away our sin and give us new life. Amen? Just say, Jesus, I love you. And I need you. 
life has beat me down and I did things that were wrong and now I'm stuck in it. Please come and rescue me. I believe that you're God. Come on, say it. I believe that you're God. And you died for my sins. And you rose from the dead. So please, resurrect my call. Bring my call to life. And I'll follow you. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. So I can spread your kingdom. And I can spread your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Come give on, it up give it up for the word this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Are you feeling encouraged today? I know I am. You know, the Bible tells us that whatever we do to the least, we've done unto Jesus. And this week, man, Holy Spirit was convicting me because I've walked by too many people that could have been Jesus. I walked by too many people that could have been, been Jesus. I ignored too many friends or coworkers that could have been Jesus who were just going through a hard time. And, and I, anyone else been there? Anyone else been there? We just walk by too many people that could have been Jesus. Come on, I know I'm not the only one in the room. Walk by too many people that could have been Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I am bound and determined to change the status quo, to change the reputation of Christians in our community. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be the most judgmental one. I'm not going to be the homophobic one. I'm not going to be the one that's too political. I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the least of these. And Jesus said, freely you receive, freely you give. How many of you know that the easiest way to give away what you have is to bring people to where you got it? We need to be inviting people to church. We need to be reaching out to the least of these because that person is Jesus. That person is Jesus. That, that lost family member, that coworker going through a hard time, that person you're sitting next to in class that shows up hungover every single day. They're not, they're not hungover because everything's good. We need to reach out and respond with love. Can we do that, church? On your way, I want you to grab a stack of invitation cards. And next week, we're gonna have all visitors here. And like Pastor said, he's gonna give them an opportunity to get saved every service, every week. So we're gonna reach out and we're gonna do that, amen? Come on, let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you received Jesus for the first time this morning, or maybe you just rededicated your life to him. We have people up here who would love to pray with you. If you are going through a rough season, maybe you're out of work, maybe there's pain in your body and, and, and you need healing today, we have people up here who want to pray with you, who want to bless you, who want to stand with you and see God's plan come to pass in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Say hello to someone you don't know on your way out. We love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have an amazing Sunday, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.